Okay, so you guys must know me by now. I have props. So as the props come on, you can bring them on. Come on now. So um, it's come to the end of the series. And um, at the 2.30 service, we've been talking about communion. The series title was actually called the 2,000-year-old resolution. The idea behind it was that a, the, the word sacrament, which is used for communion, actually means resolution. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, in January, we always make New Year's resolutions. But I thought to myself, it would be so interesting to think about, think about the fact that communion is actually a resolution and that we don't have to make a New Year's resolution once a year, but each time we take communion, we're making a new um, resolution with Jesus. We are rededicating our lives back to who he said we are based on what he's done for us. And what amazing thing we can do. We, we can take communion at any time, any place, with anything. Yes, I had a young person speak to me during the week. Pastor Andrew, can you take it with crackers and water? Yes, you can. So one funny child thought, said to me, oh, what about chips and a chip and, and a milkshake? So be it, fine, right? If you're taking it and you're taking it by faith, then glory to God. Okay, so today's title is Are We United? I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 to 18. I'm reading from my favorite verse, uh, my favorite translation at the moment, which is the Amplified. Let's, let's read. The cup of blessing of wine at the Lord's Supper, upon which we ask God's blessing, does it not mean that in drinking it, we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ, the Messiah? The bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it, we participate in and share a fellowship, in brackets, a communion in the body of Christ? For we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body, because, all, because we all partake of the one bread, the one whom the communion bread represents. Consider those, phys those, um, those, physically, those physical people in, of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices partners of the altar united in their worship of the same God. Are we united? I was reading this verse and the thought came to my mind, am I united with Christ? Am I united with my family? And because I'm a visual person and the word united came up, a memory popped into my mind or a thought. And the thought was, I support Man United. Now, we thank God that Man United didn't lose yesterday. Trust Scott to be laughing there, praise God. They didn't lose. And um, it made me think about my past. It made me think about when I was young. I was a fan of Manchester United's. I could tell you, my mom could tell you stories that would embarrass me. I cried as a result of Man United. I, uh, I, I betted, oh yes, I betted. I went through a season of that. I rejoiced. I, I, I was in love with Manchester United. I, I remember it was my birthday and Manchester United were playing and we stopped the party to watch the game. It was hilarious. And I sat down and thought to myself, Man United, 11 players, 11 individuals. It, they could field 11 nationalities, 11 different accents. 
but one team with one purpose. There was a time when Manchester United were very successful and it was a pleasure to support them or to be a fan. I sat down with one of my friends one day and um, we were chanting, we won a game. And I remember shouting out, in United we trust and in United we stand. When I got saved, I remembered what I said. And I said, wow, you said, in a football team you trust, in a football team you stand. Ah, my God. Mm -mm -mm. And I realized I really was a fan. I went to the dictionary and I found out the definition of um, fanatic. It says this, a person with an extreme and often unquestionable enthusiastic um, devotion or zeal for something or being fanatical, having um, and motivated by extreme enthusiasm or devotion. I didn't know at the time I was a disciple of Manchester United. After I received deliverance, I went from fan to supporter. And I thought to myself, what changed? What, went, what, what happened to make me go from fan to supporter? And I realized the difference was this. I want you to remember this for the whole message. Time invested, my mental engagement concerning information about the team, and, my, and as a result, my heart connection to the team, it changed. Because I didn't invest that much time, I didn't put my mind so much, I wasn't reading so much about it, I wasn't talking so much about it, there was a bit of a separation, and I no longer was a fan, I became a supporter. When I was young, my sister took me um, to a Chelsea football game. Manchester United were playing. And, and um, I was so excited. I had my shirt on, had a big jacket. I was so excited. It was like my first Man United game in London. And I was so excited. My sister got some really good seats. We lost. It was one nil, I think, from my memory. Now, the exit that we came out of the stadium was in the Chelsea fan area. You have to understand, I had a big Manchester United shirt on. I thought this was the perfect time to cover myself up because I did not want to suffer abuse. And I thought to myself, when I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, you who would argue with anyone about Manchester United, now you're covering, you, you, you don't want to show face. And I was, I, betray, I felt like I betrayed Manchester United. People looked at me, good game, right? Yes, good game. It was very good. The funny thing was, I was reading my Bible and I thought, wow, this, this sounds really familiar. Who else had some type of betrayal? And I found out there was someone very similar to me, and it was Peter. In Luke chapter 22, verse 54 to 62, I'll try to read it as fast as I can. Then they seized him, Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him, um, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, 
man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour still, another insisted saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went and wept bitterly. In certain situations, sometimes locations, sometimes people, your persona changes. I've done some research and persona actually means personality. Persona, personality is one. But one of the words you can use for persona is actually mask. I thought it was so interesting that the same Peter who walked a few steps on water, the same Peter who said to Jesus, I will never leave North Sea, I will, I'm always there. The same guy who said, I'm, I'm, I'll stand in Man United colours. These same people, in a certain situation, their persona changed. They put on a mask. How true is that to all of us? What are the situations in life? Who are the people in your life? What are the circumstances? What are the fears? What are the anxieties that put a mask over your face? I'm not talking about corona mask either. So I thought to myself, wow, this mask, how does this come on? In Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And throughout Matthew 23, he's, Jesus was very sharp, Matthew 23. About four or five times, Jesus calls them hypocrites. Now, I have an English understanding of what hypocrites mean, but I found out the Greek meaning. It's actually pronounced um, hypocritas. Thank you. Um, and it actually means this, an actor under an assumed character who acts on stage. So a hypocrite is actually an actor who acts on stage. So I've put this word hypocrite and this whole idea of persona, mask together, and I thought, wow, how many times do we wear our masks? How many times do we put ourselves in situations where we feel we have to put a mask? So, I had this prepared. Okay. Now, because of the sake of the microphone, I'm going to move it just like this. Now, if you can see, for the sake of being able to read it out, if you can see, sometimes we wear masks. And it's about how we, how we feel. The initial mask that we always see is, is who our persona represents. Our personality. This, is, this usually is the cover-up. This is the best you. This is the professional you. This is the, even though you're not in a great mood, this is the you that says, how are you doing? And you say, I'm blessed and highly favoured. That's you. This is the you who on Instagram 
has pictures smiling, but inside you're crying. This is you who tries to put on a, a great face at work, but deep down, nobody really knows the depth of your pains. Often this person has a big smile on their face and everyone thinks that they're okay. But often many people don't go, don't go close enough to find out that the person who is being projected isn't the real person at all. So this is mask number one. Mask number two isn't so much how you're feeling, but why are you feeling that way? Maybe you felt that way because you're feeling anxious. You're feeling fearful, indifferent, bored, guilty, positive, sad, confident, curious, angry, jealous. So this tends to be the feeling you feel behind the initial face that people get so used to knowing. Now this is a deeper mask. What made you feel that way in the first place? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's a wound. Maybe it's a lie that you believe. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's a fear of your destiny. Maybe you're in a happy mood because you're going on holiday or because you're hungry and you're about to eat. Maybe you're sad because of past failure. When was the last time you had an in-depth conversation with someone and you were able to speak that truthfully? Let alone with people, when was the last time you had a conversation with the Lord? And was that open? What's so interesting is that this mask is the biggest problem. This mask is the mask that you put on because you're essentially not walking with the Lord. Now, an unbeliever just naturally has this mask, may I add. But Christians have this mask on as well. You can come to church and the real last, and you ask yourself, when was the real time I actually spent good time with the Lord? For some weeks, for some months, for some even longer. The problem with this mask is that you will feel empty. The problem with this mask is that you will have a sense of lack, lack and want. The problem with this mask is that you lean on your own understanding. This mask is the mask that puts on the other masks. Ask yourself. What does it mean to be a Christian? Ask yourself, what do you want from God right now? I was working here during a week and I was right there. And I heard the Holy Spirit ask me, what do you want from me right now? And should I tell you my first answer? I said, money. There's some issues going on. I, I, need, I, I need more money. I said, Lord, I need money. And I realized that I wasn't really speaking from a place of reality. I was speaking from a place of want. I was speaking from a place of lack. 
Is money a blessing? Of course money is a blessing. Hallelujah. But the fact that that was the first thing that was on my mind, I realized that the kingdom wasn't. What was on my mind was something that would be added on to me if the kingdom was on my mind first. And I thought to myself, wow, how easy it is to fall out of fellowship with the Lord. Not because you've done anything wrong, not because you said anything wrong, but you got busy. A few days went past, a few weeks went past, and your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit just disappeared. And all of a sudden, though you know the Lord, you weren't making the, the Lord known. So I thought to myself, okay, well, this is a big thing. And this is conversations that more of us should be having. How many people right now, you don't need to put your hand up, do you sense you may be wearing a mask? And the interesting thing about this mask, it's a mask of the heart. It's the things that have been covering up the awareness of the Lord's proximity and closeness to your life. When we take communion, God gives us the opportunity to come to him with all of our masks and to lay them down. Communion is just one of many pathways to perceive the presence of God. Communion is such an important thing. But here's the the question I want to ask all of you. What is the difference between communion and union? When the Bible says that you have been united with Christ, what do you believe that means? And what is the significance of communion? I sat down and I contemplated this. And I realized that union is what God is providing and offering me and everyone else. Communion is my participation in the union that he's made available. And when I commune based on his, uni- his, u- his u- union, got let out, then I'll realize that I'm united. The word fellowship in the Bible means koinonia. Koinonia means uh, uh, um, social intercourse. It means um, fellowship. It means, it means connecting. The whole purpose of koinonia with the Lord is for you to realize that you are one with God. That goes beyond just sensing God's presence. That goes beyond just perceiving God. It is seen through God's eyes. Do you know that in the spirit, you are limitless? In the spirit, you are exceptional. In the natural, we're competitive. 
In the natural, you have some people who just got higher limits than others. But in the spirit, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Think about what that means. Is there anything that God doesn't know? Is there anything that God cannot do? Is there any negative characteristic in God's personality? No. And the Bible says you have access to that way of thinking. So then ask yourself this, no matter how old you are, the youngest to the oldest, with that mind, think about the possibilities you have. Think about what God could do through you. Now, for some of you, you may think, ah, Pastor Andrew, what you're saying is so far-fetched. And if it sounds far-fetched, it's because I'm, I'm standing really far from you. I'm trying to fetch you to where I am. This type of thinking doesn't come with a degree. This is the mind of the Spirit. This is the mind where you're free from all of those challenges and issues. The Bible says, whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. So the question is, when are we going to enjoy our freedom? No one's holding you back. Think about this. All grace has been given unto you. Paul says, who can stop us from this love of God? Who can? Neither, neither angel, neither, neither breadth, neither length, neither width. There's no dimension, there's no entity that can stop you. So you have to ask yourself this question. If nothing can stop you, if nothing can stop us, that means it's down to us. And when I mean us, I mean me. And when I mean me, really, I mean you. Do you know when the mind of Christ is in full operation in your life, do you know your neighborhood will know about it? Do you know your workplace will know about it? Even though they're trying to keep our mouths closed, the beautiful thing about the gospel, the gospel is more than a message, it's a lifestyle that manifests through my body. I can live a certain way that is different not because I'm trying to be a, a, a higher moral agent than someone else, but because it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives through me. Think about this. Okay. Let's not divert. Okay. So, I realized when I was reading the Bible, that Luke portion, I realized that Luke wasn't the, not Luke, Peter wasn't the only person who portrayed Jesus that night. Who else did? Come on, Bible lesson. Come on, guys. There you go, Judas. Bless you, sir. It was two people that betrayed Jesus that night. How interesting that that night, one of them decided to allow that experience to define their life and they committed suicide. And the other, Peter, allowed God's truth to redefine his life. Indeed, the truth does set you free. Don't be fooled by what they say to you. 
that there's no such thing as objective truth. Thank God there's such thing as objective truth. Because thank God there is something called truth that is greater than me and my experience. It's a sad day when we declare that our experience is truth. At best, your experience is a fact. Truth is greater than a fact. How? This is how. A fact says that something has happened. It's happened. It can't change. Now I think I'm going to speak into people's hearts. Things have happened to you. And don't allow, allow my, 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 my tone of voice to sound discompassionate. But things have happened to you. Horrible things have happened to you. Things that you've never shared to your husband, to your wife, to your best friend, to your child. But I realized that both the truth of God and the love of God is enough for you to stand up and walk again. Nothing is stopping you. Yes, your dad shouldn't have done that. Yes, your mom shouldn't have done that. Yes, your colleague shouldn't have said that. Yes, your brother shouldn't have let you down. Yes, 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 yes. One of these masters is a victim. You know the interesting thing about a victim? We come around victims and we say, oh, we're so sorry. And that's important. You want to support. But when you keep that victim mask on for too long, you're denying the grace in your life. God wants to change that. He doesn't want you to be a victim. Did it happen? Was it his will for it to happen? No, it wasn't his will to, for it to happen. But it was his will to give you his grace, to give you his truth, to give you his love, to make you stand up again, to make you healed. This is the truth. The question is, are we going to open our hearts to receive it? Or are we going to be like the disabled man who was by the pool and Jesus came and he said to Jesus, oh, I come to the pool, but whenever the pool stirs, no one's there to help me. I can't be healed. That man who was standing, who was sitting there for so many years, he received that word, that rhema. And that rhema was simple. Stand up, carry your mat, walk. Now, you, some of us may not have a physical ailment, true. But I've realized these masks is connected to some type of ailment. Maybe it's a social ailment. Maybe it's relational. Whatever it is, Jesus says this, if you receive that rhema, if you receive that word, you'll be alive again. You'll be able to walk. The mask will be able to fall to the ground. You know the, the beautiful thing I found out about the Lord? The Bible says that we should be filled all times. Do not be drunk by wine, but be filled by his spirit. The interesting thing about that word filled, it means influence. So in short, what he's trying to say is in your heart, your spiritual heart, don't let it be empty because of lack of fellowship, but fellowship with me. And if you fellowship with me, I will fill you. And in the filling of your heart, 
you now have the power, the grace to do what only I could do through you. That's truly what grace means. These cups represent someone who you don't, who you know, your family, your friend, who doesn't know Jesus. Let me tell you how significant God is and his filling of his spirit in your life is. If you're empty, you're essentially wearing one of these masks. And the real you, who is Christ in you, isn't being revealed. So whenever a situation comes, because you're not filled, you have nothing to pour into people's lives. You won't know the significance you have to these people's lives. For some of these people, you are the only person who's going to reveal the living God to them. But if we start to fellowship, I challenge you to start taking communion daily. Align yourself with what God's word is. Let his word set your mind free from the fears, the anxieties, the stresses, all of that. And when you do, what will happen is that you'll be filled with the spirit. And because you're filled with the spirit, the fruit of the spirit will manifest. And when your son who done something ridiculous and you have to rebuke, you no longer rebuke from a place of emotional pain. You no longer rebuke from a place of frustration and anger, even though you may be angry. What comes out of your mouth is both truth and love. In other words, it's the spirit. And because it's the spirit, what you say will be perfect. You know the beautiful thing about this? Is your son might do that on Monday. Well, let's say it's your daughter. Tuesday comes, she done the exact same thing. But because you're filled, you don't respond with more anger than you did yesterday. And you don't do and say exactly what you said yesterday. You done and said what the Spirit gave you to do and say. It was perfect. Wednesday, you'd think they would learn their lesson, wouldn't you? They've done the exact same thing. You phone your friends, you just tell them, your friends, he's wearing his own mask, and gives you information and advice from this location. Praise God you were filled, you didn't listen to it. And you knew what you had to do. You had to take him out. You had, a, had to have a conversation. You had a meal with him. It was a one-on-one. Did he deserve that? No. But you knew it was the right thing to do at that time. This wasn't the understanding of your own that led you to do that. This was the understanding of the spirit. I could continue. Now, your son or your daughter may come to me. 
I'm the children and youth pastor. And I might have an encounter with them. And they'll give their life to Christ. Get ready for this. And they'll say, they'll give a testimony on our day to leave. And I'll ask them, so what? Why now? Why did you give your life to Christ? And you know what they'll say? And I hear it all the time. Yeah, Pastor Andrew, was a really good message. Yeah, that helped. But really, my mum one day, I'd done something and how she treated me, what she said, I knew there was something different. That same week, I'd done the same thing. But how she communicated with me was exactly what I needed. We've been given the privilege to be that way to all people that come across us. You can't do it in your own understanding. This type of living is John 10, 10. This is the the abundant life. Where you're not moved so much by the things that go around you, but you're moved by the Spirit of God. It's no longer the old you that's functioning based on your pains, your hurts, bad education, lies you believe, what the world is saying, what society is teaching, all of that stuff. It was the Spirit of God. Now, unfortunately, not everyone will come to Christ. That's fine. It's not your duty to bring people to Christ. It's just your duty to manifest Christ. Give them information. Give them material that they can say no thank you if they want. But at least you gave it to them. At least you showed them Christ. At least Christ was seen because your heart was surrendered. Even though the situation that's going on and the things that happened a few weeks ago is all the information you need to not yield and give your your heart to Christ every day. Nevertheless, you didn't take your eyes off the purpose. And the purpose is for Christ to be seen. I don't know how people, you know, I love what I love about this church. I read Colin Dye's book. If you know me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm into knowledge. I read Colin Dye's books and I just think to myself, this guy, how is he functioning like this? I'm reading his books and I think, well, this is deep. Last summer, I wasn't too well. And in fact, I thought I was going to die, actually. And I was off of my deathbed. I was spending time with the Lord. I was reading some of these books. And I thought to myself, wow, KT's cell vision is outrageous. It's Bible. The giants. I mean, I've been working here for quite some time. And for some reason, all of a sudden, my eyes opened. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a church that gives you the opportunity to be spirit-led, that gives you the structure to do it. The one thing that the process, the system that the church cannot do is do your devotional life. I don't know how people do cell. Cell's hard, by the way. I'm a new cell leader now. Jeez, it's not easy. Praise God for the people who've been doing it for years. 
You can't, you can't do so like this. You, you can't even minister like this. I'll be honest with you. I can't show you God's heart like this. I can be polite. And if you like me because of this, then you're probably just as empty as me. But if you sense God in me, then that's the key. Because it's only he that produces change. Truly his life is living water. And I pray that each and every one of you don't get moved by all the stuff that you're hearing on TV concerning, you know, Christian activism. When are the Christians going to stand up? Well, on a spiritual point, the Christians stand when the Christian is filled. And if you stand before you're filled, then you by yourself are standing. And unfortunately, you wouldn't be standing united with Christ. Let's end in prayer. And um, to end it, I'm actually going to read Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Forgive me. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded love. Be free from pride, filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide you, to hide in your heart, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for that matters, for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. And let this mindset become your motivation.